There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Over the North Atlantic, toward the east coast of the United States. Inside Jobs, Brian, Gene, and Lee investigate the Lincoln assassination. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast, Inside Jobs. My name is Brian Lane. I'm Gene O'Neill. It's not brand new. We we did this last week too. Well, yeah, we it's we, we, we you might know us from the uh, uh, comedy podcast Gene's Jobs. This is basically a spinoff. That is the only way you would know us, is from listening to Gene's You might know. I mean, there is well, no other no, way you would know us. You, you've, you've made appearances on certain Maximum Fun podcasts. <clears throat> right, but you would not, this would not be the first time you have ever listened to this, to us, right? Um, that's I, a, I mean, I, that's amazing if you just, like, out of nowhere thought, I'm going to look up something that that one guy on Jordan Jesse Go did. <laughs> Let's see if he sees up to anything. I'll listen to the most recent thing he was up to. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's right. I, I do know that you 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 inspire great fandom in the Maximum Fun world. Everybody likes it when you're on those episodes. So maybe people are like, oh, when is Gene going to be on another podcast? I'll look to see what he's up to. Yeah, that's like five people. Yeah, so, and most most of them you know and see regularly. Most of them are people I know well. They are friends. <laughs> Well, we we uh, we had such a good time doing the, a, a special episode uh, based around the JFK assassination that we wanted to do a spinoff series where we exclusively focus on inside jobs. So we're going to be talking about conspiracies. Uh, what kind of what kind of conspiracies do you think we'll be talking about, Gene? Um, probably uh. The Thule uh, Society? Kind of, what kind of conspiracy? Oh, okay, you mean specific kind. I thought, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, there sorry. were general subcategories of conspiracy. Yeah, the no. the Thule Society, um, uh, let's see, was... The uh Philadelphia the, Experiment? Rocky winning Best Picture. Um, that's the only conspiracy I really know of. Wait, there's a conspiracy about Rocky winning the Best Picture? Yeah, uh, I don't remember what it beat out, but it was a conspiracy theory that um, that uh, the underdog story of Rocky winning Best Picture, going along with the underdog story of Rocky, would be um, you know a great Oscar narrative. Wow. Yeah, I forget what it beat out. It beat out like the, a movie that it should not have lost to, like Chinatown or something. Yeah, like Chinatown. Did or, you know uh, Boris Pasternak, the um, author of Doctor Zhivago, was a, he apparently won the Nobel Prize because the CIA <laughs> um, 
uh, futzed with the with the results of the voting that year, and they they did it to embarrass the wait, Soviets. The, wait, the the they fussed with the voting for the Academy Award so that Doctor Zhivago didn't win Best Picture. No, 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 the Nobel Prize for Literature. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not no, as n- yeah, not as good as winning Best Picture, but still an honor. St- still an honor. Uh, yeah, no, but they knew that the Soviets wouldn't allow him to accept the awards. They wanted to embarrass them, which seems like why were they wasting money and time and effort on that? Then you know something else. I don't know, Brian. I mean, what is going to drum up uh, American sympathy for the communist struggle better than? Uh, someone from the Soviet Union winning the Nobel Prize for Literature. You've got a good point. I mean, you know how crazy point. America is for the Nobel Prize. I mean, Nobel <laughs> Nobel Prize fever sweeps through here once a year, and uh, America gets caught up in it. They are rabid. I mean, we're also front runners, you know, as Americans. So whoever whoever last won the Nobel Prize for Literature is basically our new jesus gene we have a very special guest on the show with us to help guide us through the labyrinthine maze (laughs) (laughs) the labyrinthine labyrinth the labyrinthine labyrinth that is conspiracy theories i would like to welcome to the show conspiracy expert lee golden hello lee good day to you both gentlemen how are you doing Doing great, Lee. It sounds like you've got your uh, your weird drink. What is it called again? <laughs> Sailor, Sailor Jerry, Jerry and your, Coke Zero. Yeah, Sailor Jerry and Coke Zero and probably multiple cigarettes stumped out in an ashtray. And you've probably got one going. You are ready to discourse on conspiracy theory. Also, while Gene and I are both in color, Lee is probably in black and white. Right. Yes. <laughs> He, and in a different uh, film stock. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a bit grainy. grainier. Yeah, grainy. Very grainy. I have to pay expert, uh, you know, extra in my apartment building for this grain. So, <laughs> But no, so Lee, Lee is a uh, JFK assassination expert. But mm-hmm. in, in general, he is uh, well-versed in the conspiracy literature. Yeah, I went deep into the archives. Um of the Lincoln assassination last night when I found out you re- you were reopening the case. So we need to have all of the facts at hand while we reopen this case. I'm glad we have Lee to go deep into the archives because Brian and I are totally like surface archive plumbers. I'm really, yeah, I'm really good at skimming the Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I watched the Lincoln trailer to prepare for this episode. And I thought, you know, I'll probably get about 95% of uh, what we're going to be talking about, but Lee is here for the other 5%, tucked away deep in the archives, where the CIA and the government hide all the good shit. Now, n- did that trailer make you want to see the movie? Uh, the trailer made me not want to see the movie. The trailer also made me not want to see the movie. Was that the... But Lee... But Lee... Oh, sorry? Oh, I was just going to ask, you think that was the intended effect of the trailer? I think the intention of all of the advertising for that movie, including the weird Google Plus hangout that Steven Spielberg <laughs> and Joseph Gordon-Levitt participated in, were all designed to make people not want to see the movie. God. But Lee, you have a you have a professional imperative to uh, to see movies like this. So you of saw course. it, right? 
Of course, yes. Um, I did see this film, and while it is a fine film, in fact, a great film about Thaddeus Stevens, it's only your average <laughs> film about Abraham Lincoln, and the definitive screen portrayal of Mr. Lincoln um, is really in two particular works of popular uh, culture. The first is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, the second of, of which is... Um, Star Trek, the original series where uh, Lincoln comes back and meets Ohura and calls her a fine-looking negress, I believe. And at first he feels embarrassed when she reacts strangely to this this saying. Um, but then she says, it's okay. Um, in my century, we've learned not to fear words. And I think that's the real legacy of Abraham Lincoln. And it was, I would not say dishonored by the Spielberg film, but... Um, it wasn't Hook. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so you don't think that Steven Spielberg really honored the legacy that uh, Lincoln created for himself in the Star Trek movie? No, I mean, that was kind of like his finest piece. Like, you know, people say, yeah, Gettysburg Address is good for his, you know, kind of middle career. But in his later career, that was really the moment where they realized that, you know, post-assassination, he was still a potent figure. Oh, so they showed the... Uh, Gettysburg Address that he delivered at San Dimas High School? <laughs> yes. That's cool. Maybe I will see that movie. Bill and Ted or Lincoln? Uh, Bill and Ted. It's a really good movie. It is a really real good fun. movie. Yeah. I, I also would put in a vote for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is very strong for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, a, really strong. Very strong. Uh, so, guys, as a culture, as a country... As a political entity, we're mm -hmm. all living in the shadow of Abraham Lincoln's legacy. Yes. It, he had an effect on the country in terms of constitutional law, as I hear is painstakingly documented in Lincoln the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he <laughs> had an effect on American letters with his speeches. Mm -hmm. But he also had an effect on American crime in his assassination indeed someone had tried to assassinate dollar a $20 bill Andrew Jackson but had been unsuccessful um, so this was the first successful assassination of a chief executive in American history so he was the first president who was a, a chief executive who was assassinated but it, he wasn't the first to serve to undergo an attempt correct um, President Andrew Jackson. So wait, the Lincoln was something president. Yeah, the our first president, Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. Correct was uh, attacked by someone who. This was in the height of the spoils system, where uh, where if you killed someone, you got all their possessions. Exactly, and so this guy who was very poor thought that he could become very rich if he assassinated Andrew Jackson, not realizing Andrew Jackson. Poor as all hell, on food stamps even, while in the presidency. <laughs> and you don't get someone's money after you assassinate them. That's, like, not part of the deal. Well, not anymore. At the time, they changed, it was a Yeah, they changed the law. It was a leftover from British law. Oh, this okay. Was still, this was still early in the country's history. Very interesting. But no, yeah, so, so Lincoln was our 16th president. Mm -hmm. He oversaw the administration and the victory of the Civil War. Uh, but then a week after General Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia, 
Lincoln met his fate at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., and when he was shot in the head by John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. Five foot eight, America's handsomest man, John Wilkes Booth, known actor of the stage. And I think this is what's interesting about the uh, Lincoln assassination is that it was a play and that the Kennedy assassination was a film. Uh, and they were both two crimes of their times. And I think that's why they continue to fascinate uh, the American imagination. Man, John Wilkes Booth, I mean, pretty decent looking guy, but I mean, known, known as the most handsome man in America at, at the time. God, if I lived, if I lived in that time, I would have cleaned up. If John Wilkes Booth is all you have to be, though. <laughs> in terms of handsome. Yeah. I mean, now he wouldn't even be like in the top hundred handsome people. Well, the, the weird thing about, uh, cause I actually recently went to Ford's theater, uh, and I went with my girlfriend and her aunt. And when we left, they were like, man, all of the people who were involved in the, uh, Lincoln assassination were really handsome. <laughs> and I think if you look at like day, uh, uh, Louis Payne or, or Powell, as he's known, mm-hmm. uh, that dude is a looker. Or David Harold. Yeah. Right. Yeah, even even though Lewis Powell was apparently retarded. Yeah, David mm-hmm. Harold uh, has like this fantastic hipster haircut, um, uh, and yeah. George Atzerodt looks like uh, someone someone you wouldn't leave unsupervised around your children. Exactly. But uh, aside from him, they they're all lookers. But so that's that sort of brings me to the point that in terms of conspiracy theories, this is a weird story because we all know that John Wilkes Booth killed Lincoln. Uh, there were, you know, almost a thousand people who were witnessed. Fifteen hundred, I believe, actually. Oh, fifteen hundred, yeah. We're in the theater that night. <laughs> the only number I remember is that the second balcony can hold four hundred and twenty seats, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah, was funny. Of course, you um, remember that, Brian, because you, because you love attendance facts. <laughs> <laughs> I just love fire marshal recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so Lincoln was assassinated, but. His assassination was part of a larger conspiracy, an actual conspiracy mm-hmm. to take down the Union government. Yeah, and the members uh, of this conspiracy were tried and uh, hanged. That's not well. You told you said it. Well, some okay. of them were. The spoiler. Yeah, alert. geez, Lee, we're gonna fast forward to the end. Well, thank you for listening. To- <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But um, other members of his his uh, gang uh, of John Wilkes Booth's cadre were in charge of taking out other members of the government, including mm-hmm. uh, Secretary of State Seward mm-hmm. and Vice President Andrew Johnson. Uh, this, fortunately for the country, never happened, but mm-hmm. there are also other darker, shadowier uh, parts of the conspiracy that may suggest higher-ups were involved, either in the Union government or the Confederate government or other other forces at play. Mm-hmm. The mafia, the the uh, Sam Giancana, yeah. right? <laughs> well, in March of 1865, the Confederate Congress they they passed secret legislation to form an organization known as the Confederate Secret Service, and some people claim that their first action was the assassination of Lincoln. Um, but the Confederate Secretary of State Judah P. Benjamin, I believe, destroyed all of the documents from the newly formed CSS. So uh, before he fled Richmond, so we don't really know if that was something that happened. 
So basically, you're trying to implicate the Jews in Lincoln's assassination, correctly? Yes. Well, they do say that some Jewish bankers did conspire against him because uh, Lincoln's proposed post-war agricultural um, plans would have gone against the side of the market that the Jewish bankers uh, had sort of bet on with their, their holdings. So some say that he did it. They did it. The Jews. We did it. I'm sorry. I am a Jew. So I, I, <laughs> I am a former member of the Elders of Zion, but I was kicked out. Well, Lee, you, you've been on like birthright and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I have been. Birth. What is birthright, Brian, real quick? For our audience who doesn't know, and for me. Well, uh, <laughs> birthright, I, I might have it wrong, but I know that Jews uh, living outside of Israel up to the age of 26 mm-hmm. can go on a trip back to Israel to visit, uh, you know, the Wailing Wall and oh yeah, the, the you know, six-pointed crown that the yes. king of the Jews wears on the moon base. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, other, other secret things. But what I was wondering is what kind of secrets do they tell you? Do they tell you, you know, what television programs the Jews are responsible for, or which assassinations they're mm-hmm. responsible for? I'll tell which you. Oscar, which Academy Award Best Picture winners are they responsible for? I'll tell you the, the assassinations, films, and awards that we're responsible for. The successful ones. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Nice. Well, when you, when you when you went to to uh, Israel, did you learn uh, anything about this particular conspiracy? Yes. Um, although some blame us, the the elders of Zion, um, a group for which I was con- kicked out of for consorting with Goyim, both sexually and <laughs> podcastily. So I have consorted <laughs> with your women and now your podcast. So that's how I was excommunicated from the elders. Sure. But what I did find out, it, it was it wasn't us. It was, it was the Catholics, actually. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was you know Pope Pius the Ninth himself, who was who the Pope that proceeded over the presided over the papacy during the Civil War did write a letter to Civil War President um, Jeff Davis Jefferson Davis um, saying that you know the the papacy was supporting him in his cause and he was the true honorable president of the United States. But didn't Pope Pius tell that to like both sides? He was yeah, he was he, just hedging his bets. Yeah, he was kind of a front runner that Pope Pius. Whoever yeah. was winning, that's who he was rooting for. So, but a former client of Abraham Lincoln, this guy named Charles Chinkawi, I think is what his name was. <laughs> he was a Roman Come on, Jesuit Brian, get, priest. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> yeah, this isn't funny, man. You've done this two episodes Let's, in a row. Yeah. You've just laughed so, at yeah. us. Brian, we're talking about the murder of an American president here. We're solving the case, man. Yeah. uh, There was a – my cat was doing a funny thing over here. Sorry. Lee is trying to lead us deep into the archives through the labyrinthine labyrinth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the end of which lies the truth and also the arc. Yeah. Right. Next next Mm. episode, we'll do the conspiracy theory of lolcats. You can laugh to your heart's content. Sorry. Listeners – Lee, Gene, yes. I apologize. Okay. Lee, please please proceed. All right, we'll proceed with the investigation. So, so there was <laughs> so there was this former business partner of Lincoln. Oh, he was just a law client and oh, um okay. the he was a, a Jesuit uh priest himself, but he was sued for slander uh for saying some things against um a bishop of the Catholic Church 
and um, Lincoln came in, settled the matter kind of not in the favor of the church, and they for a long time saw this as a slight against them, and they you know, took this against Lincoln. And this was somewhere, you know, about 10 years before the assassination, I believe about 1856. And it was later said that... Oh, man, Jeff- that... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, that is a cold dish of revenge the Catholics served oh, yeah. up. <laughs> oh, yeah. That thing had been sitting in the fridge for a while. Yeah, definitely. Wow. In the fridge, no one can hear you scream, is the old uh, <laughs> Roman Catholic saying. Yeah, it's, it's strange that they had that saying before refrigeration. Isn't, isn't that an, an ancient Klingon saying? Uh, yes, similar to the <laughs> the Vulcans, the old Vulcan proverb: "Only Nixon could go to China." Exactly. Yeah. God, I love that proverb. <laughs> it's beautiful. So, so you are you are saying that it was the the Catholic Church orchestrated John Wilkes Booth and his gang to assassinate Lincoln on uh, April fourteenth, eighteen sixty five. Good. And they used the Civil War as a pretense. Exactly. And la- and ladies and gentlemen, you know what that day was? That Friday was. Good Friday. What good a- Friday. Oh, man. Wasn't so good for Mr. Lincoln, was it? Or Jesus. Who? Yeah, it worked out pretty well for Jesus. Well, yeah, he's got all those followers. Yeah, I guess yeah. Lincoln does, too. He's got all those people writing them books and movies about him. Yeah, he was just in a movie. <laughs> yeah. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so um, the the war was ended. And Lincoln was headed to Ford's Theater to see Our American Cousin mm-hmm. with, uh, with Mary Todd Lincoln, mm-hmm. his wife. And he had invited Ulysses Grant and Julia Grant to, mm-hmm. to uh, be their guests. But Julia hated uh, Mary Todd. Yes, exactly. Julia hated Mary Todd, or so they claimed, and so they begged off and went to New Jersey to spend time with their children. And they would have had armed guard. They would have been way more guarded than... Uh, just Major Rathbone and his uh, girlfriend, soon-to-be wife, who had no guard at the time. And Lincoln's right. guard went to go have a drink, I think, with some guy who was working in a stable or something like that. So once again, the abject failure of um, you know the, the security at the time. So, because there was no Secret Service at the time. No, well, actually, the day before Lincoln's assassination, he created the, the Secret Service. Uh, but at the time, it was devoted to ferreting out um, counterfeiting mm-hmm. of, of of scrip and uh, greenbacks, which is assassinating but- someone's portrait on their their money. <laughs> President, but I, I I was gonna say it's it's a little suspicious that uh, Ulysses S. Grant didn't show up. Yeah, he boned out, and and later became president himself. Right. Hey, yeah, that is very suspicious. That stuff happened afterwards. How do you get? How do you get all the votes? Yeah, exactly. He drank he was... them. <laughs> he drank his votes. Okay, so another per- So he was kind of maybe the uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, exactly um, but figure here. Lincoln did have a vice president named Johnson, and of all the people who were targeted in this plot by the conspirators, he's the only one who wasn't attacked. George Atzerodt, I think, is what his name was. Atzerodt, um, yeah. He bailed out. And so Johnson was the only one of the three, Seward, Lincoln, and Johnson, who wasn't attacked according to plan. Um, and in fact, John Wilkes Booth left a note on Johnson's door that morning. Now, was it there to implicate Johnson, or was it there because Johnson was part of the conspiracy? The conspiracy of all people named Johnson, who are vice president, to kill the president. I think the note said, uh, had a great time the other night, Heart <laughs> <Yeah>. John. <laughs> 
Yeah, had a great time having sex with you. <laughs> yeah. Morals of the era we live in will never allow it to be known. Those were kind of the John Cheever letters for P- Andrew Johnson. Yeah. P.S. John please Cooper. burn this letter. Yeah. <laughs> P.S. Love the cabin. <laughs> Well, maybe we should explain exactly what happened. So, yeah, he had a derringer, that, right? Yeah. So on that night, uh, April fourteenth, eighteen sixty-five, uh, at about eleven a.m., John Wilkes Booth found out that Lincoln was going to be at the theater that night. He uh, got his mail at the theater. He was known there. He had portrayed many different plays on Ford's Le- Ford's theater stage. Mm-hmm. So. He, w- he was aware of the fact that Lincoln was coming, and he was aware of the uh, architecture of this, the place, secret trap doors to go under the stage, that sort of thing. So he figured mm-hmm. this was the best time to get revenge on Lincoln for, among other things, uh, implying that he would give African Americans the vote mm-hmm. for attacking the South, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, he also, in his gang... He had David Harold, who was a Washington, D.C. native, guide Lewis Powell, a.k.a. Lewis Payne, who was a a former Confederate soldier and former, possibly former, Confederate spy to William Seward's house, where Seward was recovering from a recent uh, carriage accident. And then who was the explosives expert? Um, The the guy from the A-team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy from the A-team. Okay. And then who was the guy who was in charge of hacking? Boris from Goldeneye. Okay. All right. So that's the we got the we got the crew. Mm-hmm. And then and then as as we said before, George Atzerodt, a, a German immigrant, was uh, tasked with killing Johnson at his hotel. He was there for kind of comic relief, right? Yeah. He barely spoke English. He's like, "Hey, what I'm what I do?" Yeah. He was like, "My wife." <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> He didn't get a lot of, like, uh, social cues in America, and so he would often kiss men on the on the cheeks and on the lips when greeting them. Mm-hmm. He would wear hats on his feet. <laughs> all kinds of hilarious stuff. Yeah, he just did not understand the world at all, yeah. being from ancient Germany. So, uh, so on the very night, uh, Harold and Payne went to uh, Seward's house and... Payne broke in and, and wounded five people uh, trying to get to Seward. He attacked – he had a knife. He attacked Seward's son, Seward's daughter, uh, a guard that was present, and then he tried to attack Seward. Mm-hmm. He was a very enthusiastic assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't care who was in his way. It sounded like he was, like, kind of the most excited about this plan. Mm-hmm. He, he was kind of like the Tackleberry from Police Academy. <laughs> yeah. like, when do we get to kill people? <laughs> he wasn't interested in getting silent assassin rating on Hitman later. Yeah, yeah, he would have been terrible in Hitman. <laughs> he he would have he would have changed into all the disguises. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was just a joke that only Lee is going to get. And listeners of the indoor kids who have maybe wandered into this podcast. Right, right. So he attacked Seward with a knife and he stabbed him several times, but because Seward was wearing a brace around his neck from this carriage accident, Mm -hmm. he was unable to uh, properly stab him. And so he just cut him across the cheek, cut him across the neck a little bit, Mm -hmm. but these were superficial wounds. And then 
He conveniently, re- conveniently had a horse riding accident that right. day. Right. And so then Payne... And had to wear protective knife-proof uh, <laughs> knight armor. Right. So then Payne ran out of the house screaming, I'm mad, I'm mad. But, as we said, he was, uh, you know, historians think he was maybe mildly mentally retarded. Mm. He then spent the next three days just wandering around the city. Good escape plan. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> you blend in, Brian. You hide. You hide in public. Yeah, just like yeah. in Hitman. Come on. Yeah, you don't just you don't just run away and go to your safe house. You just blend into the crowd like Man. a regular like a regular guy who has a barcode tattooed <laughs> on the back of his head. So Lewis Payne put on a fake uh, Groucho Marx mustache and glasses mm-hmm. and just sort of <laughs> wandered around the city talking to people. Have you heard about this horrible assassination? Yeah. I wonder Why who could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> that was him pretending to be a horse. <laughs> oh, maybe he just uh, tried to be the front of a horse in a horse Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With and George who, who, Atzerodt, who also stayed in the city as as the rear end. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Serious, serious. Gene, we're talking about the murder of the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. I know. I just, I'm, a, I'm kind of a sucker for people who are supposed to be the rear of the horse in a two-man horse costume, and they don't show up because they're too busy getting drunk at a bar. <laughs> right. Which is what George Atzerodt was doing. Right. So he was at, uh, he went to... Uh, Johnson's hotel, and uh, he just drank a bunch of uh, whiskey in the bar. Mm-hmm. Is that hotel still there? Gosh, I, I don't I don't remember it if it is. Fill the time, and I'll look it up. Oh man, you didn't uh, you didn't go there during your pilgrimage to the Ford's Theater? I guess I can't ask you questions while you're looking it up. Well, Lee, uh, where I'll, are you? I'll talk Lee, about where... it in a second. Oh, okay, Lee, where are you in Hitman right now? Oh, the new one? I, um, I think, where am I? Oh, I'm inside, I just got out of the facility where that, uh, weird guy with peg No, legs. that's, that's, that's Goldeneye you're thinking of. The facility is a Goldeneye level. Oh, okay, there's also a facility in this game, and I think every other game ever? Yeah. I'm still trying to escape from the cops, which is like, feels like the entire game so far. Oh, the, oh, like, when you're at the, the marijuana house? Yeah, and then the train station. Oh yeah, that's the the Chicago stuff's really good. I feel like it's not as open ended as previous incarnations, which is an aspect that I uh, I liked about it. Open ended how? Geographically, like it's still open ended in terms of what your behavior can be, but where you can go in the the previous incarnation, I felt like the the maps kind of seemed less segmented and more open. Yeah, no, I think you're <laughs> right about that. Um. The the Kirkwood Hotel where Johnson was staying is no longer there. Oh, that's a shame. By the way, we just yeah. spun off into a third podcast about assassination-based video games. Like, you're, you're never going <laughs> to stop this podcast empire from growing. Yeah. Well, there, there's, there's, the one, there's the one video game about uh, where you kill JFK. Why is there not one where you sneak through Ford's Theater and you have to, like, go under the stage to the under underbelly of the stage and there are thugs there that you have to fight on your way to getting to the presidential balcony seats in, in order to kill Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Lincoln? Why does that game not exist? That's a good question, Brian. Probably because the government doesn't want it to come out. Exactly. The, uh. the government shut down JFK Reloaded, I mean, that, which was the JFK killing game. So what's to stop them from 
from shutting down. They prevented that. Boris Pasternak from winning the Nobel Prize, Brian. They can do whatever they want. Right. I thought we had something called the uh, freedom of speech in this country. No, you do not have that. Oh, you're thinking, no. You're thinking, thinking of another of, country. Yeah, I'm thinking of Cuba or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so George Atzerodt went to the hotel, got drunk, bailed, mm-hmm. later got arrested. Right. All of this had been planned, meanwhile, in Washington, D.C. boarding house owned by Mary Surratt, mm-hmm. which also involved her son, John. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like uh, like Jean mentioned, I was recently in Washington, D.C., and I went to Ford's Theater. And uh, Mary Surratt's house is now a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> uh, it looks like a bad one, too. Oh, God. I thought about going in to eat, and I bailed very quickly. Mary Surratt uh, was the first uh, woman to be executed by the U.S. government. Exactly. What an honor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Texans have statues of her all over the place. That, that when, was a big, I think, step for uh, women's suffrage. <laughs> when, when they were leading her to the gallows, she asked her executioner, to make sure to to look out and see if the Guinness people were there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she really wanted credit for this one. And beer. She wanted both and... Guinness people to be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> make sure the Guinness people are there. Because <laughs> I want to have a Guinness before I'm killed. Yeah. She, she, she even asked for the hood to be removed so she could see the shamrock that they imprint on the foam on top. Well, you know, this might not have been the first attempt on Abraham Lincoln's life. Do you know that? Right. Well, Wait, when he was, really when he was fifteen, time travelers came back to Springfield, Illinois, and tried to take him out. But he was able to wrestle these time travelers out and 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 kill them. Basically, right. He also, he was a murderer. He spent twenty years yeah. in prison. Also, once every fifty years, uh, Southerners exhume his body, bring him back to life, just so they can kill him all over. <laughs> yeah. That's why they right. had to bury him in concrete because people actually were trying to kidnap um, Lincoln's remains. And in the early 1900s, they took him out one so last time. So they could time. fuck them. Yeah, they took yeah. him out one last time, fucked him, put him back in. But he had been so kind of mummified by all the embalming they had done when they were displaying his corpse that he was still – like he could still kind of look like Lincoln and he had his beard and everything, so – that was the last time Man, the, he ever the got beard sur- Oh, yeah, the beard and, like, the fingernails are, like, the last to go. Right. In a, in a corpse. So, I guess if you're going to fuck presidential remains, it's kind of like, you're just fucking beard and fingernail clips, or fingernails anyway, so. Right. Lincoln is as good as any other president. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, Calvin Coolidge is upset. <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting any. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, but yes, uh, people people tried to assassinate Lincoln before yeah. uh, he was actually killed. So on his way to actually be inaugurated in 1861, they say this is the first one, and he kind of snuck into Baltimore, and everyone thought, wow, what a wimp, you're trying to sneak into your inauguration instead of you know marching triumphantly through. But what happened is Alan Pinkerton... Um, decided to put up more security. Now, he was the guy who later founded the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Famed strike breakers. Exactly. And the reason why they found out about a possible assassination attempt where many people were going to try to stab Abe Lincoln is due to this um, New York police superintendent who uncovered the potential plot, and his name was John Kennedy. Whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, we are deeper and deeper into the Warren. And they made a movie about this in 1951 
with a guy named Dick Powell, and no one figured out that this would somehow be connected to a future presidential assassination because people didn't even know that there would be a guy named John Kennedy who would later be president. And that might have been his time traveling himself trying to stop it. I mean, it most likely what? I mean, who else would it be? How, how many John Kennedys can there be walking around? Um, none. <laughs> I guess the dead. ice clinks in Lee's drink. <laughs> I, think, I think there was only even one John Kennedy in the Kennedy family. I think Lee, so, yeah. it sounds like it's time for a refill. Yeah, it might be time for a repair, as we like to call it. All oh, right. Okay. All right. We'll be back in a moment with more Lincoln assassination conspiracy theory. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time, just as it's true today. Be excellent to each other. And... Party on, dudes! Now, there are some rumors floating around about John Wilkes Booth because he was actually born in uh, and, and raised in Maryland. Mm-hmm. He had an actor father. His older brother went into acting. Uh, I believe one of his other older brothers went into acting or, or stage managing or something like that. And he was not from the South. His family never owned slaves. And yet he was a big supporter of the South. Right. Because Maryland had some uh, anti-union sentiment at the time, but um, Lincoln kind of declared martial law and sent everybody who was pro-Confederate, you know, out of uh, Maryland and kind of took over. And I think that that Wilkes Booth kind of always held that against him. Right. And and just so people know, Maryland was actually a slave state. Right. Uh, And uh, it, it like Kentucky, it stayed with the Union. But... Marylanders and Kentuckians did go over to the Confederate side. They still do to this day, actually. It's a proud tradition. <laughs> probably probably yeah. more so today. Than, yeah. Than See the surge, just like cigarettes and cocaine in the youth community. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, because he was an actor, John Wilkes Booth was free to travel to different places, including right. Montreal and Richmond. Mm-hmm. Now, Richmond was the capital of the Confederacy, and Montreal was where a lot of Confederate uh, Secret Service uh, activities went on. Precisely. Gene? <laughs> yes, Brian? <laughs> I'm trying to hand it off to you to uh, talk okay. more this, about this. This is where you hand it off to me. Uh, yeah, you're right, Brian. Uh, John Wilkes Booth, uh, although travel was uh, greatly restricted between the North and South uh, during that time, because he was an actor, uh, which just shows like we have a... a Long tradition of letting actors do whatever they want. Yeah, that's why we let Matthew McConaughey do whatever the fuck he wants. God, I would just let him have his way with me. He is like the Booth of our time. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like when when I was looking into the archives and like looking at stuff about Booth, I'm like, he. I can imagine him doing this. <laughs> he is kind of the Matthew McConaughey of that time because yeah. it's like he's not a good actor in the sense of good actors, but he is a famous actor and he is a handsome actor. He's a star. Yeah, women yeah, want he his is... nuts is basically why he was famous. Mm-hmm. Women want him and men want to be inside of him. <laughs> yeah. 
I just hit my face into the microphone. That's what they're designed for, Brian. Don't worry about it. Right, right. So anyway, uh, much like Matthew McConaughey, uh, John Wilkes Booth was free to travel uh, into can you know, into Montreal, and then also throughout the country. And uh, somewhere between evidence and speculation, I, I think there... would say ninety nine percent evidence, zero okay. percent speculation. Okay. Uh, John Wilkes Booth um, was uh, tasked by the uh, Confederacy with um, smuggling quinine um, into the South exactly. because the South could not get quinine because of the naval blockade, the Union blockade. Uh, the, yeah, the naval blockade by the and, Union. And just so you know, quinine is used to make gin and tonics, and that was the favorite drink of Jefferson Davis. So that's why the South really needed the quinine. Yeah, and then they also found out that it treats malaria, which was a which was a big problem for uh, Civil War soldiers. Gin and tonic treats it exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they should have been uh, uh, attuned to the Sailor Jerry and Coke Zero recipe. I, I don't know why they weren't drinking those back then. It was in France. People had Coke Zero and Sailor Jerry in France, but it hadn't really come to America. Yeah, man, and they had cocaine in there at the time. Oof, right. What a drink. Well, they had Cocaine Zero, which was kind of <laughs> pretty hip. Low calorie yeah. cocaine. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. So, uh, it, John Wilkes Booth. There was evidence that he was working for the uh, Confederate Secret Service. Um for some time this is where <laughs> i probably handed back off because <laughs> that is all i know what? about well i mean yeah that and that uh yeah there is there is evidence that john wilkes booth spent a lot of time in montreal which was a uh a, con- a confederate for some reason it was a confederate secret service hotspot still is to this day <laughs> still is to this day uh well it's uh it, 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 part part of the reason is because um, the uh, the Union Navy tried to blockade a lot of different ports, mm-hmm. um, both on the Atlantic and in the Gulf of Mexico, that would lead into the Confederacy. This was part of Winfield Scott's Anaconda plan for uh, squeezing the South, and so Confederates would go up to to Canada, uh, where you know the Union was less focused, and they would be able to slip out, um, you know, across the Atlantic to get over to Europe to get supplies. Or to do things like uh, there were Confederate agents went to uh, came down from Canada into New York and tried to commit arson all across the city right. as a, like a sabotage act against the Union, which sort of worked. They burned down some things, but they were captured pretty quickly, and it didn't didn't really lead to much. And please tell me John Voight plays Winfield Scott in the Lincoln movie, and, and there's a scene where he proposes his anaconda plan. I think I think Winfield Scott was actually dead by then. Well, here's oh. the here's the thing about Winfield Scott is that uh, Montreal was the the hotbed of you know conspiratorial activities during that war, just as Mexico City would become the hotbed of conspiratorial activity during the Cold War because it was where all of the nations in the Cold War had embassies. Right. And the CIA, I believe, station chief of Mexico City during the time of the um, Kennedy assassination was named Win Scott. What the fuck? Yeah, I like how you say what the fuck, like bum, bum, bum. It's got a <laughs> musicality to it, Mr. Lane. Wow. Well, thank you. I was going to say you don't even have to go to the Cold War 
to to look for other uh, secret activity because you could just go to World War One, where the Zimmerman telegram, right, which was sent from Germany to Mexico, promising that if Mexico entered World War One on the German side. Germany would support their attempts to regain territory lost to the United States during the Mexican-American War. Right. We had been sort of engaging with battle um, with Mexico at the time during the punitive expedition against, um, you know, what's his name? Antonio Banderas. Pancho Villa. And... um, (laughs) Right. And um, General uh, Patton, who at the time I think was a lieutenant, was one of the few guys who actually took down any of Pancho Villa's terrorists. Wow. Yeah. And then, during the Cola Wars, Eric Estrada, a.k.a. Ponch, (laughs) from Chips, (laughs) was a big pitch man for the Pepsi Chill Out card and campaign. Right. Which some say was the last... Was be- which some people say was Pepsi's last stand in the Cola Wars. Right. Wow. Except when they sent Nixon to Dallas that day, as we uncovered in the last episode. Right. That was the. Uh, that was basically the. That was like the Fort Sumter <laughs> right. of the uh, Cola Wars. <laughs> was Nixon shooting John F. Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, actually, Mexico Mexico did, does play a, play a role in the in the uh, Lincoln assassination as well, because right. there was something called the the oh God, what is it? The Knights of the Golden Circle, mm-hmm. which yeah, was an organization, uh, a secret organization of Confederates and Confederate sympathizers, right? Who sort of worked as in Odessa. Uh, to make it a comparison to World War II, getting Confederate officers and um, uh, government figures out of the United States after the fall of Richmond. Precisely. So, um, what is his name? Uh, gosh, a guy, the, uh, the vi- uh, Buchanan, who was the president right before Lincoln, mm-hmm. had a vice president who... Uh, joined the Confederacy and served as a as a general, and he actually escaped out of Florida and went on to Europe for several years before an amnesty was declared. But a lot of other Confederates were able to sneak into Mexico through right. Texas after the war, and then actually quite a few of them ended up in the Brazilian Amazon, where uh, I, my Portuguese is is no good, but they were called like Confederados, mm-hmm. and. They sort of had, you know, for maybe a generation or two, they had this southern culture living in the Brazilian Amazon, but it eventually they intermarried with local Brazilians and it sort of died out. Right. Uh, and did you know that the only Confederate uh, <laughs> member of the government who did not return to America at any time, even after amnesty, was that guy Judah P. J- Benjamin who destroyed all of the Confederate Secret Service's papers in right. um, the well, same month as uh, Lincoln's assassination. He Well, didn't he get on the, the Jewish spaceship in Jerusalem to go yes. to Mars where they have their secret headquarters of the of the elders of Zion? Precisely. And, Jeez. you know, you mentioned Odessa earlier, um, which was, of course, an organization. Well, oh, I, I, sorry. I wanted to finish that thought. The, oh, the, knight, the Knights of the Golden Circle are often uh, gestured to as having relationship with John Wilkes Booth and perhaps inspired inspired or funded or planned Lincoln's assassination for him. Right. So that's why I brought them up. But yeah, you were saying Odessa. 
Well, some say that that even Wilkes himself was spirited out, and he relived the re- or he lived out the rest of his life under a name. I think it was John Saint Helen, and um, after he killed himself in the early 1900s, they took his body and mummified it and toured it around the country several times as kind of a carnival circus act as the real body of the real guy who killed uh, uh, Lincoln. And he did bear a striking resemblance to John Wilkes Booth. And he was known as the handsomest mummified corpse in America during that period of time. Exactly, until Lon Chaney played uh, the mummy in 1933. (laughs) Uh, The man of a thousand faces. Yeah. Um, well, it's uh, it's interesting to note that because we should uh, we should talk about what happened to all these conspirators. Mm-hmm. So uh, after the assassination, uh, Booth and Harold, David Harold, his associate, uh, vamoosed out of the out of D.C. into Maryland with their plan uh, to go through the woods, through the back channels to grandmother's house. They go (laughs) relying on Confederate sympathizers and Confederates to help get them to Virginia, where they assumed they would be treated as heroes and avoid prosecution during the assassination. Well, actually, they used to think that after Booth assassinated Lincoln, he jumped from a balcony and broke his uh, fractured his leg when he landed on the stage but now they think that it happened later possibly of unknown circumstances while they were making their getaway in possibly Maryland possibly his horse fell on his leg is, is right exactly what I hear. but you know in most of the sources to this day they still um list out the uh, falling on the stage right um story as the possibly apocryphal um, you know, which which seems which seems silly because we're talking about the Matthew McConaughey of his day. Yeah, he w- he was athletic. He knew how to jump onto a stage from a high height. And they say that I think his the the spur on his boot from his horse um, caught on the garlands on the wall, and uh, that's how he 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 tripped. Right. So they they had to find a doctor, and they found a doctor Samuel Mudd. Right. Uh, who. Uh, you know, mud is pretty much a euphemism for shit. Right. <laughs> and this guy was basically a shitty guy. Because he fit, he set Booth's leg and uh, helped he and Harold get away and go down to Virginia, where federal troopers eventually surrounded them in a tobacco barn. Yeah, lit it on barn, I believe. Right. Lit it on fire. Harold came out. And then what happened, Lee? Boston Corbett, a man who had once cut out his own testicles out of his scrotum after feeling guilty for lusting after prostitutes in <laughs> reading Matthew 1912, which tells that Jesus will accept uh, welcomingly uh, the eunuchs, um, he decided to ignore... He also he also lived in a hole. No, that comes right? later. That comes later. That comes later. That comes okay, later. I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he, was, he, he was an English immigrant who was excessively religious, even though he visited prostitutes frequently. So he he read uh, that that Bible verse that Lee just mentioned. Matthew cut 19, out, 12. Cut out his balls, attended a church service, and then went to the doctor to see about getting medical assistance. No, for no, his no. He had a hearty meal balls. first. He had a hearty oh. meal first. <laughs> he had a hearty meal of balls. Uh, <laughs> That's how... That was the order you did you you did things back then, right, right. and you suffered a major injury. Cut off you your went balls. to go go to Denny's. You went to go see God first, yeah. 
and then, oh, sorry, and yeah, then get hearty moons meal. over moon over my hammy. Yeah, the Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> but so Boston Corbett was uh, excessively religious. He grew his hair long, which was uh, not conventional for those days. But he wanted to look and, like the J Slice Christ. Exactly, exactly. So, but then he uh, became a trooper. Uh, a federal trooper, and he was part of the detail that was sent out to capture John Wilkes Booth. And then the guy who uh, was leading that coterie is a, is a pretty interesting figure too, Lafayette Baker. Yeah, he's a oh, uh, right. he was he was like, uh, gosh, he was he like was... A, G, a James Jesus Angleton of of his day, if you know who that is from uh, Cold War anti-intelligence spy stuff it's pretty pretty sweet right yeah he he was the head of union intelligence which was kind of like the uh kind of nsa cia Mm -hmm. um of that time they looked at everyone's text yeah (laughs) they they they, well i mean they spied on uh, telegraphs right right? yeah the text and he also he he also had some interesting spies working for him in the south like slaves who uh you know had were witness to all the goings on in you know uh confederate government uh, official houses and mm-hmm. he would get information from then they would send it up to the north it was it's pre- he's a really interesting guy but yeah he stanton the secretary of war uh put him in charge of the investigation to find out where john wilkes booth was and but said he... not to kill them kill him to capture yes well, you know what's also interesting about him is that uh, he owed his appointment to uh, Union Intelligence, the head of Union Intelligence, to Stanton, and he later suspected Stanton of corruption and began spying on him and tapped his telegraph. And Stanton found out about that and demoted him. And then just a few days later, or I don't know if it was a few days later, it was it was a short time later, uh, that Lincoln was assassinated, and he was then put in charge of um, the, finding the uh, conspirators or the assassins. Exactly. And so he, from on high, meaning Stanton, who basically ran the government after uh, Lincoln was shot and mm-hmm. they couldn't find Johnson because mm-hmm. who the fuck can ever find Johnson? Um, he His rule was do not kill the killers because we need to find out Exactly. If this is a conspiracy, how far it goes. Mm-hmm. And so Boston Corbett was ordered not to kill Booth. And they figured no one would have the balls to go against it. Ironically, a guy with no balls goes against it. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, he didn't kill him, right? He just shot, him shot his spine. spinal cord <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and rendered him paralyzed. So they, well, they dragged Booth out of, uh, out of this burning, um, burning barn He'd been shot in the neck, which uh, severed his spinal cord by Boston Corbett. He couldn't move. He was paralyzed. And he laid there for like two hours before he eventually died. And uh, before he died, he asked the the federal troops to show him his hands because he couldn't move them himself. Mm -hmm. And he saw his hands and he said, useless, useless. Which remains a little enigmatic to this day. And he, he asked them to tell his mother uh, that he did it for his country. Yeah, he he also said these pretzels are making me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, which goes to the, the George W. Bush pretzel assassination attempt of our time. Right. Oh, my God. 
I'm so tired of these rabbit holes and these labyrinthine labyrinths. But the other he, guy with him, David Harold, he didn't. David Harold. And the thing about David Harold that's that's interesting is he was once treated. Uh, he was a known associate of a guy named Francis Tumblety. And Tumblety was arrested as a suspect in the assassination, but he was let go. And he was right. kind of a quack doctor that dealt with weird powders and stuff like that. And years later, in the 1880s, Tumblety would be arrested in England as a suspect in the infamous Jack the Ripper killings. So right, exactly. he might have been in the, involved it, in both. In so the he fall might have, of 1888. Right. And so potentially Lincoln may have been killed by Jack the Ripper. I think we can say pretty confidently, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With 99% potential certainty. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, it had taken two weeks for the federal troops to catch up with Booth. And in that time... when they Yeah, when they finally got out of bed <laughs> and put their clothes on. Oh, good God. They were, they were so tired from the war. Yeah. Uh, so Stanton had basically ordered everyone in the country arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Including Jack the Ripper. Uh, they just started rounding up anyone who uh, was potentially tied to John Wilkes Booth. So, so like... Including the we, owner of the Ford Theater and like, yeah, the including actors. Ford uh, and including this poor guy who held John Wilkes Booth's horse outside the theater. Like right. we said earlier, for, uh, Booth was a well-known actor who had played uh, at Ford's Theater a lot. He got his mail there, and this guy, whose job it was to do things like this, uh, was asked by Booth, "Please hold my horse for a while." He did yeah. so. When Booth came out, he jumped on the horse and sped away. That guy got arrested, and I think he was in prison for five years. I think so. Maybe <laughs> six. And his great-grandson is, ironically, coincidentally, actually now the valet for Matthew McConaughey. His great-grandson <laughs> is Bradley Manning. <laughs> yeah, who's also the valet for Matthew McConaughey. It's part of his contract with MGM. Yeah, it was because he uh, spilled all of those Matthew McConaughey secrets <laughs> and released all those diplomatic cables. That's why they want to keep. Yeah, allegedly. How he, yeah, how he keep how Matthew McConaughey keeps those washboard abs. <laughs> That's why he's in prison. Um, so, so yeah, so all these people got arrested, including Mary Surratt, who owned the boarding house, house where the conspirators sometimes met. Mm -hmm. uh, David Harold, uh, Lewis Powell. And George Atzerott. And after a, a very speedy trial, they were all executed by hanging in, uh, I believe it was May or June of that year. By Robert Redford when he made a film about it. <laughs> <laughs> Ex by Robert Redford who chose the most boring facet <laughs> yeah. of the entire assassination and conspiracy and made a movie yeah, about it. Yeah, why didn't he make a movie about the part with the guy cutting out his balls? Like, that <laughs> seems way more interesting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Here you have like a war and a conspiracy and assassination that is just 99.99% interesting. And you found that one little sliver of a percent, the trial of Mary Surratt, <laughs> yeah. that was not interesting. Oh, God. I, 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 and why Why didn't John, I mean, if you're going to make a trial movie, it's like at least let John Grisham write the screenplay. Right, and put yeah. Matlock in it. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of that uh, Patrick Stewart wannabe from X-Men. James McAvoy. Yeah, and and then what's his name? Brad something, the kid who d died from a heroin overdose who was in The Client. Brad Renfro. Brad Renfro. Oh, he died? Yes. Shoot. Yeah. He's been dead for years. Yeah, he had a, I think he had a heroin overdose. Yeah. 
He was the pre-Nick Stahl, Nick Stahl. Oh, okay. Before he was killed, his uh, heroine was known to have said Six Semper Tyrannus. Or exactly. the South is avenged. It's it's kind of unclear which one it was. Un- unclear. But yeah. And he also held up his hands and said, useless. He held useless. up his movies, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, zing. Take that, Brad Renfro. <laughs> Take that decomposing corpse of Brad Renfro. Yeah. Um, so I recently uh, went to Ford's Theater. God, you've said that like a thousand times, dude. Yeah, we know, Brian. You went to Ford's Theater. Uh, it sucks. It's a terrible museum. Yeah. It, oh, really? Yeah, it's really gaudy. They, they it's take, gaudy? Yeah, they take you down <laughs> to this basement where they have, you know, like um, 98% sized statues of all these people who are involved that's so 98 percent yeah it's like wait so there's a half an inch no so like link there's a statue of lincoln there but he's not quite as tall as lincoln was he's at like Uh, blowjob height now (laughs) well it's weird that they wouldn't go just be like oh yeah no we'll make these life size they're just a little fraction smaller than life size and so they have these all and then they have this video that is just one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. <laughs> it plays all two and a half hours. No, it's a video of Jimmy Carter, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton reading in turns the Gettysburg Address. But it's actually the robots of them from uh, it's Disney the World's Hall of Presidents. Yeah, I'm the Hall of Presidents. Did you ever notice they put the Dick Nixon robot in a corner like he's on timeout? No, I haven't been to the Hall of Presidents. No one puts Nixon in a corner. Well, the, <laughs> well what's kind of sad is that the presidents uh, in the Hall of Presidents are a lot more lucid yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> than, our, than the ex-presidents that they are – than our ex-living ex-presidents now. My theory is that George, uh, George W. Bush is actually there, that he swapped himself out with the robot because he, he was sick of everyone making fun of him. So he just yeah. hangs out at Disney World every day, which is kind of what he wanted Wait, to do. Wait, anyway. so is there a George H.W. Bush in the Hall of Presidents? They're all there. There's a Barack Obama, and Barack Obama did the voice for it. What? Yeah, so you know, he comes in, he's like, you know, uh, welcome to Disney World. We got a new Star Tours. <laughs> wow, that's a really good impression. Yeah, Lee, oh, he's Lee here. Does... He's here, actually. <laughs> oh. Lee, Lee's best impressions are Sulu from Star Trek and Barack Obama. Same voice, same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so once you're president, you uh, you're basically guaranteed a spot as in a the robot. Hall of presidents. Yeah. Oh man, I want to be a robot. That's why. So that was probably that was Romney's prime motivation <laughs> for running to for be president. roboticized. <laughs> he wanted to be a yeah. That's why Schwarzenegger gave up on his presidential aspirations. He was like, I've already been a robot. I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, I could I uh I I could not recommend Ford's Theater. It really sucked. I was I was really enthusiastic and excited to go there and then it was a real letdown. Was the visit to the Ford's Theater similar to your visit to the Holocaust Museum and that no new facts were revealed to you? I literally learned no new facts. I spent 4 hours at the United States Holocaust Museum in Washington. That place DC. talk about gaudy. That is the gaudiest Holocaust Museum I've ever seen. What? No, that's... Yeah, all, the, all those neon signs. 
all the music. Yeah, no, yeah. I I thought I thought the the Holocaust Museum was pretty well done. Yeah, but it has nothing to offer somebody like me who's read a lot about it. Right, as opposed uh, to the movie Iron Sky, in which Nazis have a secret moon base, which taught us so much more about the Holocaust than we ever thought possible. Right, exactly. Well, guys... Were there concentration camps on the moon? Um, yeah, sort of, but they were more like... They weren't just doing hard labor for hard labor's sake. They were doing it to build um, spaceships. And so the Jew spaceships that um, they built as slaves, they later took over... Um, as their own, and that's how we got the Jews in, in space in you know History of the World Part One. Right. Oh, okay. So you got to see that movie before you watch History of the World. Right. And Lincoln. Okay. You got to see that before you watch Lincoln or Bill and Ted, for that matter. Yeah. So guys, let's let's try to figure it out here. Okay. What is the summary? Uh, or I mean, who exactly was behind? John Wilkes Booth pulling the trigger. So we want to say conspiracy or how, yeah, how far up the ladder does this go? Okay. I'm going to say that I think Edwin Stanton was responsible. He Well, here's, okay, here's a thing we didn't mention, or were you about to mention this, Brian? I, you go the, ahead. The diary that uh, supposedly Lafayette Baker recovered John Wilkes Booth's diary uh, at the, uh, what is it, at, at when they uh, when they killed and ca- captured and killed him, and uh, he said that inside that diary was evidence that John Wilkes Booth was working for Edward Stan- Edward Stanton, or at least that Edward Stanton uh, would be would be heavily implicated by this diary. And uh, when it was later sold and published years later, uh, Baker said that all, that uh, all the pages mentioning Stanton were missing or that there were many pages missing from the diary. Exactly. I think that is evidence enough to prove without a shadow of a doubt that Edwin Stanton killed Abraham Lincoln. Well, personally. Personally, personally. In a mask. There is one fraction of the percent. There is that one shadow of doubt. And I think that we, I think I know what it is. Do you want to hear it? Okay. So. I'm good. Okay. Never mind. We could have <laughs> solved the mystery, but it sounds like you guys got kind of up. <laughs> no, sorry, Lee. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> when they were progressing um, Lincoln's remains through all of the country, and they, they actually brought along his son. His son's remains as well. So, it, so everyone could fuck. So everyone could fuck the remains. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and um, a young boy was watching that parade, and that young boy's name Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I gotta mute my mic for a second. <laughs> Man, Adolf Hitler is in like every famous crowd <laughs> photograph. Yeah. He is like he is literally the Waldo of his <laughs> time. If you look if you look closely at the picture of uh, Lincoln's second inauguration, he is there cheering wildly. Yeah, he is so fired up for the coming civil war. <laughs> yeah, John Wilkes Booth he was there. The, or the for the occurring civil war. He was what? actually if you look at pictures of uh mm. Lincoln's second inaugural uh, inauguration. You can, if you look at Lincoln and you put your finger on him, and then just move it up, 
yeah. you'll see this one figure next to a statue, and, and people pretty much agree that that's John Wilkes Booth. Who people also pretty much agree was Adolf Hitler. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did that guy ever do anything and Adolf right? Hitler, <laughs> Yeah, and Adolf Hitler was the Matthew McConaughey of his time. <laughs> Glad I brought that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A maniacal uh, genocidal maniac. <laughs> A maniacal, genocidal, easygoing, surfing, <laughs> bong-smoking, bongo-playing leader. We're almost at the bottom of the mystery. I would like to thank our conspiracy expert lee for coming in and explaining what really happened lee thank you very much you're very welcome where can people uh, find more of your stuff well they can find me on uh, twitter at uh, at internet batman and um, my website is morninghandsome.com and jfk007.com and Morning Handsome is your podcast. Yeah, that's my comedy podcast, and JFK 007 is my conspiracy area. Yeah, focusing on the JFK assassination. Focusing on the truth, Brian. <laughs> focusing on the truth behind Charles Grodin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, he's been arrested about 87 times by the city of Dallas for just, hang- for just hanging out in Daily Plaza. <laughs> for vagrancy? I probably shouldn't say this about him. He's a real nice guy, and he's my Facebook friend. So right, right. It's uh, you're Facebook friends with Charles Grodin. Oh, no, with with Robert Grodin, who is oh, the yeah. photographic expert. It's going to take another right. podcast spinoff to figure out un- untwine the the Grodin mystery. The Grodin, yeah, yeah. Well, how far does this Grodin hole go? <laughs> That's what he says to himself every night. <laughs> it's what his family used to say before he abandoned them. Okay, well, Lee, thank you. That's what he says to whatever potential woman he is trying to copulate with. You know how far the Grodin hole goes? (laughs) All the way. Uh, So, Lee, thank you so much for joining us and imparting on us all of your conspiracy expertise. But I have to ask you now, who do you think killed Abraham Lincoln? Well, first I'm going to take a um, sip of my Sailor Jerry, which I'm going to assume when we took our break and I left the room was not poisoned in any way. And then I'll tell you who I know killed uh, the president. Avenge me. Lee? Lee, are you okay? Lee, Lee, come on. Who killed Abraham Lincoln? No! Useless. Useless. (laughs) The films of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh, God. I think we lost Lee. Maybe we should call him an ambulance? Uh, Sounds like a lot of work. We would have to, well, we'd have to stop podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to make dinner instead. Yeah, he'll probably be okay. Well, I'd like to thank you, Gene, for joining me. Brian, I'd like to thank you for joining me. Inside Jobs is a a new podcast focused on conspiracies. If you would like to get in touch with us, we uh, have an email address that is InsideJobsCast. If you know of any conspiracy theories... Wait, Gene, I didn't finish the email address. Oh, right. (laughs) Well, why did you say it all weird and dramatic? Because it's a weird email address that you suggested. I like it, but it's it's weird. All right, so go ahead. Okay, it's InsideJobsCast.com. 
And if you'd like to... Gene, are you serious? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to say the at part, <laughs> Right. Huh? Inside jobscast at gmail.com. Okay. So you can email us and tell us uh, if you think we're correct uh, about the, the Lincoln assassination, or you can propose other conspiracies you would like us to solve on the show. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> Thanks for your input, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe people didn't know. Well, uh, what do you? What would you like to talk about next time, Gene? Um, God, there's just so many conspiracy theories to choose from. I feel like, like, oh, sorry. Uh, no, you feel like what? I feel like people should watch the Untold History of the United States, the Oliver Stone documentary, yeah, and all... uh, see if they would like us to delve deeper into any of those secrets. All one of the episodes that are available online, and then uh, if you have Showtime, you can. You're one of the lucky bastards that can watch the first three episodes. Yeah, let's be honest. Who has fucking Showtime? Yeah, right. Yeah. Dexter has really gone down the toilet. Yeah, jumped the what shark a long time ago. Yeah, what else is there to watch? Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we hope you join us next time when we uncover more inside jobs. Hey everyone, this is Brian. I just wanted to say, uh, since we recorded this, we have set up a bunch of stuff. So if you would like to uh, go to our website, the uh, URL is insidejobscast.com. Insidejobscast.com. And also we set up a voicemail. You can get a hold of us, 413-225-1963. You can call that number and leave us a message about the show, uh, what conspiracies you want to hear us talk about, all that sort of stuff. And we're also on Twitter, at InsideJobsCast, so uh, you can get in touch with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.